Good morning. Yeah. Take it or leave it, sipping the coffee while it's steaming. I'm up while you're sleeping, even if I'm just daydreaming. See where I'm going, yes, I'm scheming. All I need is myself to believe in. I'm all in, really going off the deep end. Like a dope fiend, hit the bass, and then I'm tweaking. I got the lines, you and your homies are about to start tweeting. Stop, can I get a playback? Did he just say that? I got some groove, this ain't trap. Feel good with a little bit of rap. Y'all didn't know I got it like that no not at all take it or leave it sipping the coffee while it's steaming i'm up while you're sleeping even if i'm just daydreaming see where i'm going yes i'm scheming welcome back to take it or leave it i'm Derry. danny's yes, not here I'm today scheming. he had to close at work so he's not gonna be in he's working real late so i don't know probably like midnight almost so He's not here. It's been storming all day. Had tornado watches, warnings. Uh, I think we're in the clear now. It's just raining a little bit. So if you can hear that, I don't think you will be able to, but you never know. If you do, don't complain too much. And since it's not storming, I think it's kind of symbolic that I'm just going to be storming flying solo today. There's no Danny to stop me. I can say whatever I want. I'm just hot taken. The show's just going to be rolling. I really have no topics to really talk. I mean, I have things I'm going to touch on. Quite a few topics, you know, just in the news this week, sports news, and nothing too huge that you probably haven't heard yet. They've been covered pretty much all week, but I've got got a pretty good list that I, I'm going to end the show on. Uh, some good production value is going to be going on there, I believe, as long as I can figure out Audacity as, as well as I think I can. But yeah, let's just jump into it. I think first place we're going to go is, uh, is Aunt Becky, uh, Laura Laughlin, and uh, I already forgot everybody else's name, um, the Desperate Housewife lady, Felicity Huffman, that's her name. Um, again, other celebrities that are bribing all these schools to let their kids into college, which is it's crazy to me on a bunch of different standpoints. Like I understand why it's an issue um, because they're taking away a spot from a kid and that's a bunch of money not being taxed but I don't really know if that's the best thing to do with our resources you know the FBI having them investigate all this stuff and then going to Felicity Huffman's house with uh, with their guns drawn you know I, I'm pretty sure just one or two cops could have went in there and just you know arrested her but oh well what do I know I'm not much for politics. I'm not, I'm not brave enough for politics, I should say. I do agree that the they should get in trouble for it, but I don't really see the motive these behind these parents deciding to spend all this money to send their kids to school. And I'm sure they still have to pay tuition on top of that. I mean, I guess they were getting athletic scholarships or whatever, but I, I don't understand why you'd pay so much money to send your kid to a school that they couldn't get into because obviously they're not going to do well there. They're, I mean, Laura Laughlin's daughter is not going to class, or so it would seem. She says she doesn't want to be there in college um, on her Instagram account and stuff. She wants to be an influencer, so and I mean she could do that pretty easily. I'm sure she's. I mean she's technically already doing that, but.
but her mom's a famous celebrity, so she can pretty much do whatever she wants. I mean, look at Michael Jordan's kids. They're at least a one of them. He's CEO or whatever of Jordan. He's not CEO, but he's got a high position there just because that's his dad. So I don't, I don't really understand the motive behind saying, hey, we're going to send you to this really nice school that you couldn't actually get into, and we're going to spend a ton of money on it. Um, take away spots from other kids, take away scholarships from other kids who are more deserving to get in. I read um, the ESPN story that went up. What, there was one girl, um, I don't think they named who it was, but she got into one of the schools based off she was a co-captain in her uh, club soccer team. And she had never even played soccer. Something like that, and I don't know. It's crazy to me that all that's going on. I mean, I guess it's not too wacky, too crazy to think that that's going on, um, considering everything that does go on. But um, it is a little weird, I think, especially since they've been doing all this investigations on like football and basketball, talking about all those kids getting paid to go to school and stuff like that, and then. The NCAA, the first thing we hear about them cracking down on like illegal recruitment is these celebrities that aren't even really athletes and they're playing like women's curling or something like that, like sports that nobody really cares about that's not bringing in any money to the university. But I, I'm, gl I'm glad they caught them because it does, it is a big deal if you're trying to get into one of those schools and you get denied because one of these kids goes in. We're going to transition now. Seamless transition. Talking about some some stuff I see uh, going around on the local Twitter today. Um, there's a lot of Romeo Langford hate, and I don't really understand. Um, like, I was just talking to one Louisville fan on, on Twitter about it, and I mean, I guess I understand why. Louisville fans don't really like him because um, he decided he was going to IU instead of Louisville. But what can he do? Uh, I don't think Danny's doesn't like him. I think Danny's a pretty pretty good, pretty big Romeo Langford fan. He's probably not as high on him as I am, but that might be a little bit of homerism and um, favoritism there. But uh, there's people talking about Romeo saying he's not that good of a player. He's not NBA ready. The dude was projected top 5 in the draft, and yeah, he's had a down year, but he's still projected top 10, top 12. He's still a lottery pick. So saying he's not ready for the draft, that that just tells me you don't know anything about basketball. Um, and I have some of his stats here. You want me to pull them up? And keep in mind, this is on a bad offensive team. Like, And I don't mean necessarily as in uh, the people on the team can't score, which is true. That's very true. But also Archie's offense that he's running, the philosophy there is it's kind of a little stagnant. It's not best for Romeo, that's for sure. It's a lot of isolation. Um, he could probably benefit uh, getting the ball, taking one dribble and being at the rim, or not even having any dribbles getting the rim. He'd be great off back screens and cutting to the rim. But that hasn't really been impl implemented. So 
you get you gotta keep that in mind when I look at these stats. Now in college, they don't have as crazy of stats that you can find. You, they don't have all of the 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 big ones, all the analytical stuff they have in the NBA. I mean, you have some, but they do have the big ones. Um, I'm gonna go over those real quick. So he's averaging 16.7 points a game. That's a lot in college, especially for a freshman. He's got 5.4 true rebounds per game. That's a lot for a for a college guard. It's definitely a lot for a college guard. And 2.3 assists per game, which is big whenever his team can't shoot. And he's not even a point guard. He's shooting 45% uh, field goal percentage. That's good. Okay, I don't know. That's close to 50. 50 is tops of the NBA every year. 50s to 60s. And the 60s or up over 50s are usually big men who all of their points come from within five five feet, like the DeAndre Jordans, Rudy Gobert's. So for a shooting guard to be shoot, shooting 45% from the field goal range, from anywhere in field goal range, that's, that's insane. Now, he's only shooting 27.5% from three, and I get why people are hating on that, but I don't understand why people think that all of a sudden you have to be a good three-point shooter to be good at basketball. Like, I understand that's what the Warriors do, and all of the best players in the—I won't say all the best players—a lot of the best players in the NBA are good shooters. But the MVP of the NBA this year can't shoot. The Rookie of the Year from last year is shooting zero percent from three-point range. Still hasn't hit a three. LeBron—he's been a better shooter recently, but he was never a great shooter in his early years. There's a lot of players out there that can't shoot at guard and forward. So the saying he's only shooting 27% is it's not really valid for making him a bad player. Now, it is likely he can get that up. So I, I do think he's a lot better than shooting 27%. I think he's struggling this year. I think once he gets into uh, the swing of things with an NBA team, once he's seeing their trainers once he's working out with them every day, I think his field, or his three-point percentage is going to go up a lot. The next indictment, I guess is what you would call it, on Romeo is his free throw percentage. He's shooting 72%. It's not great for a guard. I mean, it's not awful. He's right around mid-tier free throw percentage. You would like for him to get that up. But again, I, I'm once he gets in with a... a an NBA office, once he gets in with the trainers in the NBA, he's going to get a lot better at that stuff. I don't think he's just going to stick at 72% free throw percentage. I don't think he's going to stay at set 27% three-point percentage for the, his entire NBA career. Now we get into just a little bit of the analytical stuff um, that I can find on sports reference. His effective field goal percentage is 49.5%. That is great effective field goal percentage, especially whenever your three-point percentage is so low. His player efficiency rating, 20.3. There's not a lot of players that are going to have that uh, coming out of the draft, especially as a freshman. And his win shares are 4.1. Considering how much his team has lost, that's that's pretty good. So I don't I don't really understand where all of the hate on Romeo's coming from. He's a great player. He's oversized. I guess oversized isn't the right word, but he's got a lot of size. There's only three shooting guards in the league. 
bigger than him, and that's Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, and DeMar DeRozan. That's pretty good company. Now, I get just because you're tall doesn't necessarily mean you're good at basketball. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say it definitely helps that he's 6'6". Six, six. He's the same height as those three, or just shorter than those three. It's going to help him on defen defensive end. It's going to help a team a lot there. For him to be a, a good ball handler and a playmaker with the ball in his hand at that height, it's going to help a lot. We've seen a lot of teams start to transition to the six seven to six or seven foot guy at guard. Romeo is able to guard those guys because he's got comparable height. He's got a seven foot wingspan. He's super athletic. He can anytime he gets to the rim, he's pretty much scoring. That's why his even with his three point percentage being so low, that's why his field goal percentage is so high. He's been compared a lot to DeMar DeRozan and James Harden. Like, that's a good ceiling to have. Have an MVP and one of the better shooting guards in the league. Yes, DeMar hasn't been great this year, but they're not comparing him to this year, DeMar DeRozan. They're comparing him to the entirety of DeMar DeRozan's career. There was a time where you might have said that DeMar DeRozan was the best shooting guard or top three shooting guards in the league. That's what they're comparing him to. And James Harden, we know about him. He's MVP, he can score whenever he wants, and he's on one of the best teams in the league simply because of he can score whenever he wants, and he plays good enough defense. I know people hate on him because of his defense, but he gets steals, you know. He gets blocks occasionally for a shooting guard. Romeo is better at that than, than James Harden is. I think the biggest thing you can say about Romeo is he's not shooting well this year. And he looks like a lot of times he's not trying, but I don't think that it's he's not trying. I mean, there's certain NBA players you look at, it looks like they're not trying simply because the game comes easy to them and they're not necessarily sprinting across the floor on a play. That doesn't mean they're not trying. That just means they're not going to unnecessarily sprint from baseline to baseline when they don't need to. If the play calls for that, Romeo's going to be sprinting. Romeo's just as fast as anybody whenever he's sprinting. So... If you really pay attention, you'll see those moments in the game where he's he's actually giving his all, and you can see that he's actually uh, extorting some energy. But you can hand on him all you want. I'm not going to argue about if he's NBA ready or not. I personally think he is. I personally think he's going to be one of the best players to come out of this draft. I don't know if he'll be as good as I thought he would coming into this year, but he's definitely going to be one of the better players. And speaking of better players coming out of the draft, Zion returns. Zion's the the big story this year. He's I would say he's been bigger than LeBron. I'd say people are more willing to talk about Zion than LeBron this year. Yeah, LeBron's been a big story because the Lakers haven't been good, but I don't think ESPN or SportsCenter is talking about LeBron like they used to. I think Zion's kind of stepped into that role. Now, I don't know if he's ever going to be the talent that LeBron is or if this is going to carry over once he gets to the NBA if he's still going to be that good but certainly anytime LeBron or anytime Zion blows his nose it's making sports center you'll see it on their Twitter page you'll see it on Instagram Facebook if you even get it on Facebook you'll see it on Facebook you'll see it all over the news for the whole day like the top of every hour is Zion blew his nose today could this mean he's coming back what's this mean for Duke is his draft stock going down, he was blowing his nose, he might have flu problems, who knows.
I think whether or not you think Zion will be a bust or whatever you think of Zion, whatever you think he's going to be once he gets to the NBA, I think you have to say he's maybe the most influential college athlete we've had in a long time, maybe ever. Simply because his shoe burst out and then the very next day the NBA is saying the one and done rule is done. We're not doing that anymore. We're having formal conversations trying to get rid of that because the big ticket, the guy who could bring so many more viewers to the NBA, somebody who can excite the game like we haven't seen in a while, is hurt all because he blew his knee out. I won't say we haven't seen in a while. I mean, obviously, the NBA is in the best place it's ever been, and it's more athletic than it's ever been, I would say, with seven-foot point guards who are dunking in traffic. I mean, we haven't seen that really ever before until, I would say, the last five years, probably, since Giannis blew up, since Westbrook blew up. We haven't seen anything like this before then. I mean, we had Jason Kidd, but he wasn't as athletic as those guys. He was a big a big guard, but, and I think Zion really has a chance of being one of the guys to change the game the way that Curry changed the game, the way that Jordan changed the game, the way that, I mean, I guess you can say LeBron changed the game, um, the way Wilt and Julius Irving changed the game back in their day. I think Zion has that, that edge to him. I think he can bring back the era of fast breaks and shooting all of your shots from within 10 feet. I think he's one of the guys who kind of pioneer that with Ben Simmons and Giannis and maybe even Westbrook. Um, LeBron, as he starts getting older, I, I think he, he kind of missed that wave. He's not going to be there anymore. But I think teams are going to start looking towards players like Zion and Giannis and Simmons, people are just too big, too athletic to guard down there, and they're going to say, okay, we're abandoning the three. Yeah, that worked for Golden State, but Golden State has all the guys that can shoot. We don't have that anymore. We we need to do something that's going to beat Golden State. We need to be better at them. We have to be another game, and I think Zion's definitely somebody you can look at to do that, because even in the NBA, there's not really anybody who's going to be able to guard him from within five feet. There's nobody who's going to be able to stop him on a fast break. If you set in charges, but I don't know how likely a player would want to set a charge whenever a 285-pound guy is coming at you full force like a freight train. I mean, that's scary. You don't want to step in front of that and take a hit. And the other thing with Zion that people are talking about is should he even come back and play? And I think... All the people saying, no, he shouldn't play. I mean, I guess they're considering the money. I mean, he's still going to get paid. So I think that's kind of where he's looking at it. And two, I think Zion's a big competitor. I think he wants to win a national championship. Now, I don't think he's going to come back for another year if they don't win. But I think he definitely wants to be and compete in March Madness. I mean, that's something a lot of kids dream about when they're little. It's not necessarily, I mean, they want to make it to the NBA, they want to win finals, they want to be in all-star games, but also March Madness. March Madness is probably the biggest thing in the sport, and that includes the NBA. Everyone, every year, watches March Madness. It's not quite the Super Bowl, but it's the Super Bowl of basketball, and I'm talking all levels here. That's what everyone watches. People love March Madness. 
it's the least productive month of the year because everyone's watching March Madness and work doesn't get done. First day of games is, I think last year there was a study that said they lost like six million dollars. Our country lost like six million dollars, maybe six billion. I don't, I don't know the exact study. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Don't quote me on it. All right, I did no research for this podcast. I'm just flying it because that's what I can do. And so I think Zion wants to play. He wants to be back. He's a competitor. He already said at the start of the year that if he can play basketball, he's going to play. He's not going to be one of the guys to set out. I mean, if he wanted to do that, he didn't even have to go to college. He could have set out another year. He could have went overseas and played and got some money while he's playing over there if it was really all about the money. I don't think that's Zion. I think he wants to be a competitor. I think he wants to compete. So that's what he's doing. He's going to compete. That's really all I have on all those subjects. So now we're going to get into the big ticket items. The stuff that if I know how to edit as well as I think I know how to edit. If I'm not overestimating my abilities. It's going to be a production wonder for this show. Got sound effects and everything lined up. You just you ain't even ready for it. Get ready. Drum roll. I don't have a drum roll sound effect so that's not going to be there. But what we're leading up to this whole episode is the top 25. This is the comprehensive list. Top 25 greatest white NBA players of all time. This is, I've studied for weeks on this. I've interviewed thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of people on this. I've scoured the internet. I've looked at stats, you know. There's no arguing this list. This is the list. And if you try to argue it, you're arguing against stats. You're arguing against fact. This is not opinion. You can't argue it. I will listen to your argument, and I will tell you why you're wrong. But this is the definitive list, and we're going to start right now. We're going to go number 25, Jason Williams, White Chocolate. Number 25, Jason Williams, White Chocolate. He's a great player. He was... Very flashy. He did a lot for the game of white basketball. He made people realize, hey, maybe we don't have to be that athletic. Maybe we all don't have to shoot even, but we can look really cool. We can play some some street ball style basketball in the NBA, and that's he really revolutionized white white basketball. I think. Now we're gonna move 24. Can't say his first name right, but I'm gonna try. Arvidas Sabonis. DeMontis Sabonis' dad. He was a good player. Good big man. I think DeMontis might end up being better than him if he keeps up at the pace he's going. But DeMontis isn't there yet. So, right now it's his father. He's there. Number 23. Jerry Lucas. He's one of the first stretch big men in the league. He's a great shooter. Great big man. Real old now. A lot of people probably don't even know who he is. But he's he's 23rd. He's 23rd on the list. That's, that's where we have him. That's definitive. Number 22. Dave Cowens. Now I don't know much about Dave's game. This is one of those where interviewing people... A lot of people brought his name up around this area. A lot of people said he was pretty good. So that's where we're going to put him. 
We're going to put them on the list. Uh, if you want to look up his stats, go do it. Go look at Basketball Reference. I, I know I've heard of the name. I know him. I know he's a good basketball player. That's about all I can tell you. So what, now where are we? 21. Yeah, 21. I got that right. Jeff Hornacek. Now Jeff played back in the day on the Jazz alongside Carl Malone and somebody else that might be on this list a little bit later. He was a good player. He wasn't quite as good as those two, so I think he got overlooked a lot. But I think he could have been easy a, a number one or number two best player on another team in the league, depending on what the team is. Um, that team probably wouldn't be a contender every year, but they would. He would still be pretty good. Number twenty, Mark Price. It's another guard we got high up on this list. I think that's a, a thing that's kind of common in this list. You know, you would think a lot of a lot of uh, the white guys who are good are because they're tall or they're European. Um, I think you might start seeing that a little bit more as we go along, but right now there's a lot of guards. And honestly, as you go along, there's still a lot of guards. So, Number 19, Peja Stojakovic. I, now, I don't know if he technically counts as white. You know, he's what, what Turkish, I believe. I mean, I guess that is um, kind of, I don't know my geography. I'd say it's middle, mid-eastern. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not. Maybe Pedro might not even be from Turkey. I believe he's from Turkey. I believe that's where he's from. Um, if I'm wrong about that, that's one thing I'll admit I'm wrong about. But he was he was a good big man, good shooter. Great shooter. Pedro wasn't a big man. Don't know why I said big man. But he was a good shooter. One of the best of all time. He's definitely up there with Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, and now Curry and Thompson. But he's definitely up there. Number 18, Gordon Hayward. A lot of people might hate on Hayward because he hasn't been great while he's playing for the Celtics. But before that, he was one of the best players in the league. And honestly, he's still one of the... He's still all-star level, I'd say, when Curry's out. Um, he's got two 30-point games this year when Curry's out, so take that as you will. I think he can get back to where he was. Might take a little bit of time. He's still kind of overcoming that leg injury, so we'll see. He might move up. He might move down depending on where he goes, but I think right now he's he's 18. Number 17, Kevin Love. He's another younger guy that... Uh, people will be like, well, he doesn't have a full-body career. Well, I think he's going to keep moving up. And they're going to look at his Cavs years and be like, he isn't that great. He, The boy was a beast in Minnesota, and he's still a good player. And LeBron kind of just took that away from him, and everyone hates on him because they got to blame somebody when LeBron's not winning because obviously it can't be LeBron's fault. But we're not talking about LeBron today. We're talking about these great revolutionary players. So we're, not, we're moving on to 16. Pau Gasol. Some people might think that's low for Gasol. I mean, he's a he's a multiple-time champion. He played alongside Kobe. He's been moving around a lot these last few years. I think that's kind of hurt his case a little bit too. He's getting old, and people don't they forget about young Pau. But in about five years after he's retired for a while, we'll look back on his career and be like, wow, 
We were blessed to have Pow. Number 15. Pow's brother, Mark Gasol. Now, Mark, I think he's personally better than Pow. Some people will flip around because Pow's a champion and stuff. But I think talent-wise, we just look at talent. I think Mark's better than Pow. I think he's got a better skill set. I think he's a better defender. He's not quite the shooter that Pow was, but he can still shoot well. He's got good back-to-the-basket game. Um, so I put, I'm, I put him above Pow. Number 14. Bob Pettit. This is another really old guy. We don't have a lot of video of him. A lot of people don't think about him a lot, but he's, he's somebody that a lot of people consider one of the best players of all time. This consensus. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe he's in the top 50 players of all time. He might not be. I might be wrong about that, but Bob Pettit's definitely somebody that a lot of people uh, would vouch for to be this high on this list. Number 13. Chris Mullen. Great shooter. Played on some Warriors teams back in the day, back before they were really good. I mean, they were, they were pretty good back then, but they're not like anything they were on right now, obviously. It's a great shooter. Good small forward. A uh, little, little tall for the position, which is good. And just all around great shooter. Great. I mean, when you think white guy basketball, he embodied that pretty well. Played good defense, everything. Uh, we got number 12 now, I believe. 12. Bob Cousy. An old time Celtic. A lot of people, I mean, there was times where people would say Bob Cousy was the greatest player of all time. I mean, obviously, they're really old people who probably grew up watching him and didn't really watch basketball after that, but. He's definitely one of the, one of the better players to ever play. He's a good, good guard. Um, really embodied that Celtics culture back in the day. Number eleven, George Mikan. George Mikan is kind of what's kind of kicked off the NBA, I would say. Um, real old fifties, even one of the first really big men. He was over seven feet tall. Um, if you know anything about basketball camps or anything, there's a drill they always do called the Mike and Drill. They got that name from him. It's just layups. That's all it is. From underneath the basket, you just take one step, shoot a layup, rebound. Go to the other side, shoot a layup, rebound. It's one of the things that you will remember if you grew up going to basketball camps. If they're the right basketball camps. It's white b-ball at its finest. They're really, it's just fundamental. He's one of the most fundamental guys of all time. Uh, maybe even more fundamental than Tim Duncan. And that could have been just his era. But also, I think if he's still playing now, he would kill people on the fundamentals. Just not even five-foot shots. One-foot shots. And he could dunk, probably, but he wouldn't. He would just be shooting those layups from right underneath the, the rim. That's what he would do the whole time. We're at, I believe, ten. Maybe nine. We're at ten. So we're in the top ten. Number ten, Rick Barry. Rick Barry was a great player. Uh, a lot of people remember him because of the way he shot his free throws. Uh, he was a good shooter. He was really athletic. He was one of the most athletic white guys, I would say, to ever play the game. Um, all of his sons play basketball. I believe there's one in college right now. Um, Brent Barry, his other son, he was a great player as well. 
he could have probably made the top 25, but it's a little iffy with him. So we're going to move to number 9. These guys are, I would say, far and ahead above the rest of the field. But uh, number 9 is Bill Walton. Now, if you watch any college basketball or if you watched any NBA basketball in the, the early 2000s, you'll remember Bill Walton as the crazy dude, the guy who ate a lit candle off a cupcake. Um, and all that's that's fair. I mean, that's that's Bill Walton. He was like that back in the day, too. But he's also uh, he's a winner. He was a great player, great big man. He really helped Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and that whole Celtics team back in the, the 80s and uh, he's, he's really one of the reasons that the Celtics became what the Celtics are. Number eight, Kevin McHale. Now, McHale was, he was a scrappy guy, got a lot of rebounds. Uh, he wasn't necessarily tall for his position, but uh, he was a big guy. He was real strong, and he mentors a lot of the bigs in uh, the NBA today. Wasn't a great coach. Uh, he was okay. He was good enough to not get fired right away, but he was never a guy that was going to lead a team to the finals or deep in the playoffs or anything like that. But this isn't a coach. This is players. So now we move to number seven, Steve Nash. Now Nash is a multiple-time MVP. He's one of the greatest point guards of all time. His hair was amazing back in the day. Even when he cut it off, actually, it was, it was still pretty nice. I mean, I said last week he was the problem on that Lakers team. Yeah, I don't really believe that, but I just said that. Uh, but Steve Nash, he, he was one of my favorite players growing up. Great guy, great shooter, great passer, one of the greatest passers of all time. Can't, can't really fault him. Multiple-time MVP. Number six, Pete Maravich. Old Pistol Pete, you ask any old guy play basketball in the 70s, 80s, Pete Maravich is the greatest of all time, and he, he was taken too soon. And I, I believe the taken too soon part, I don't know about the greatest of all time, but I definitely think he would have been a lot better if he had a lot longer NBA career. He's probably the greatest horse player of all time. So, you take that. And he, boy, had handles. Crazy handles. Number five, the top five. This is... The big boys now. Number five, John Stockton. The all-time NBA leader in assists. John Stockton is a beast. He was on one of the greatest jazz teams, maybe the greatest jazz team of all time. Gave Jordan some fits. That was a good a good Bulls team that Jordan was on, too. Um, you can put them up there, greatest of all time. Them or the Warriors. That's really the only two you got. Um, I mean, you can throw in. The Showtime Lakers, the Celtics, whatever, but I don't think they were as good as that Bulls team that year or the the Warriors team in 2015-16. But John Stockton would have had more championships. He would have, I mean, he would have had a championship if they just didn't run into to Michael Jordan every year. Number four, John Havlicek. Now John is a winner. He's one of the greatest winners of all time. He has eight rings. He was a great guard. Played for the Celtics back in the day. Kinda too young 
for Bill Russell, too old for Larry Bird, kind of that era, but he's still a winner. Number three, Dirk Nowitzki. Nowitzki revolutionized stretch big men. I mean, we've had them before. There's been stretch big men, and that they might go out to the three-point line and shoot one or two, maybe a game at the most. But Dirk really changed things, and that fadeaway is unstoppable. Probably the best post move we've seen since the skyhook. Maybe the best post move other than the skyhook of all time. It's just unstoppable. He can't block it, and he's going to hit it every time he gets. Dirk's old now, so it's kind of hurting. Can him look a little bit worse, but still people people love him. I mean, the All-Star game was one of the best moments in NBA history, in my opinion, seeing Dirk hit those deep threes just back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. That was That was great. Number two. Probably get some flack from this one, but it's definitive, so you can't argue. Jerry West. Now, Jerry West, a lot of people like to hate on him. I don't really know why. I think Jerry was always a great player. He's the logo. He's a great shooting guard. I think, honestly, I think he's right there with Kobe. I think he's better than Dwayne Wade. Um, you can hate me all you want for that, but he was good. He was a winner. Yeah, he played on a really good Lakers team. But you can't fault him for that. He was he was really good, great sh- mid-range shooter, and a great passer. And the number one, I think this should come as no surprise. He's a guy that some people he might be mentioned in the greatest of all time conversation. I don't think anybody's really arguing that he's the greatest. I mean, there's definitely some greatest trash talker of all time. Larry Bird, Larry Legend, the Hick from French Lick, boys, good. Great, one of the greatest shooters of all time. Maybe the greatest shooter of all time if he didn't get injured so much. His career didn't end so early. He would have won so many championships. His career didn't end so early. He he might have been the greatest of all time if he didn't play through injuries his whole career and he didn't end his career early. I think we're just going to leave the show right there, honestly. We're going to leave it with this. We're going to let it ruminate. We're going to let everyone mull over the list and think about how right I am, how definitive this is but remember I, I interviewed thousands of people about this I'd scour the internet for weeks just trying to figure this out so if you're gonna try to hate just know it's research backed it's it's pretty much a scientific study um, I'm sure there's a process I have to submit it as a paper or whatever I might do that who knows uh, check in with me in a couple weeks and I'll let you know if I actually did that but yeah that's that's where we're gonna end the show this week definitive top 25 white players of all time any other list any other takes you want us to go over let us know i'm Derek, and we'll see you next week on take it or leave it what's that boy up to there ain't no telling at a university and with no fellas what's that boy up to